normally I tell terrible stories about my good friend, Matt Sutton, but I will not do that this morning, all right? I'll save a couple for tonight, but uh, I'm going to have Brother Matt come. He is our missionary to Point Hope, Alaska, my very good friend, and uh, I wanted him for our missions conference. But he can't do that this year, so I was really glad we could get him in. Um, once again, if you have not uh, met the family, some of you are very new. You have not met the Suttons yet. They're fantastic and doing a great job up there in Point Hope. And, of course, Jennifer back there with Sarah and then Jacob and Joanna are running somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> They're just all over the place. So uh, just keep them in your prayers, but get a chance to meet them afterwards. Brother Matt is an awesome preacher, and I'm looking forward to it this morning. Well, I must have paid you enough to say all that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's so good to be here. So good to be home. Amen. And uh, so good to have nice weather. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. That's a blessing. And I uh, just want to thank everybody for all you've done for us, uh, of course, through the years. But uh, even just since we've been here, I mean, the, uh, the house over here is just packed full of food. That's a blessing. And uh, we've eaten pretty much all of it. So <laughs> you're going to have to restock. But thank you so much for that. And uh, it's just so good to be back and um, have my good friend Renee here, too. And she put up with me for many years in uh, Syracuse Orthopedic Specialist in Syracuse. Uh, that was nine years ago now. So that was crazy. It seems unbelievable that it's been that long, but uh, such a blessing to me and uh, while I was there in, in Syracuse too. She would usually run like, you know, be like, hey, listen, leave him alone, okay? He believes the Bible, leave him alone. <laughs> okay, so, so here's a blessing. If we could turn to James chapter 4, we're going to start there. We're going to get right into this here. I'm so thankful for all the prayers. God's been so good to us. I'll never forget when, you know, Pastor was praying with us and we thought there was no way we'd be able to have a child. And uh, now we have three. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we'd still, of course, give glory to God if God didn't allow us to have any uh, babies. But uh, now we have little baby Sarah. And uh, every single pregnancy has given me more gray hair and has made me lose more hair. So everybody says, oh, the women have the hard part about pregnancy. I'm sorry, <laughs> but men have hardships, okay? No. And uh, so if you see me with less hair, that's why, okay? It's, but, uh, but thank God um, that we were able to be back here in the lower 48 in New York. Uh, Jennifer was able to keep food down, praise the Lord, uh, because a lot of times out in the village of um, of Point Hope where we are. We can't get milk, uh, many other things like that. And so milk is the main thing that she's allowed to keep the food down while she's pregnant and things like that. So our baby Sarah is a pound heavier than all her other babies were. So, so uh, and I believe that's because she just got a lot more nutrients. They stayed down and things like that. So um, for those of you that don't know, uh, we are missionaries in Point Hope, Alaska. It's a village in Alaska, which is as far northwest in Alaska as you can go. Uh, it's only accessible by bush pilot plane, so there's no road systems in or out. Uh, it's an hour flight to any other place to go. An hour south is Kotzebue. That's the closest hospital that we have. Um, so again, that's why Jennifer many times stays here, uh, and we come back for medical appointments and things like that, because you don't want, and I don't want, anybody looking at us there. And uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely a different place, and uh, we sure appreciate, again, all your prayers. We've had some victories, uh, just, and that's the Lord, but we have a real faithful family that just started coming a year ago. 
When we first started out nine years ago on deputation, we said our goal is we want to be able to reach the youth in the village and then through the youth be able to see them reach the adults, their, their parents, their grandparents, and they're called Aka and Appas, and you know their cousins and their friends. And we have seen them bring a lot of their friends, a lot of their cousins, but now we've finally seen them bring their Aka and Appa, and for some of them it's their mom and dad. Uh, it's uh, faithful whaling captains. And uh, if you have somebody like that coming to your church, that's, that's huge because the whaling captains have a lot of respect in the whole village. And so we've got them coming, Jacob and Della, if you'll pray for them. They're just uh, such a blessing, and uh, they, uh, bring their, they bring their family almost every single service. And now we've got whaling coming up. They'll probably be, you know, gone a lot and things like that. But they're always real faithful, always, always coming, always such a blessing. And they didn't come for six years or about five and a half years that we were there. We just kept on praying. Their kids have been faithful since the beginning. I mean, their kids, their grandkids have been coming to um, the Sunday schools and to King's Kids and now teen class. And some of them have graduated high school. And now finally their grandparents are coming to, to church, and it's just such a blessing. So thank you again for your prayers, and uh, by God's grace, we'll stay out there uh, until the Lord comes back. Amen. So here in James chapter 4, James chapter 4, now just a few days ago in Point Hope, it was, what, it was 80 degrees here just a couple days ago, right? 80. It was a 100 degree difference in Point Hope. It was negative 20. <laughs> so uh, I told Brother Serino, the missionary that we work with out there, I said, you can have it. <laughs> I'm out here. I'm sunbathing, okay? <laughs> and uh, he wasn't too happy with that. But I said, oh, you'll get your shot someday, okay? Not right now. So amen. James chapter 4, verse 13. And James 4, 13 says this. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your blessings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us this morning, Lord, give you some glory, give you some honor, for you're worthy of it. And Lord, I need your help, Lord. I can't do this at all, Lord, without you showing up, Lord. So I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'd use me, Lord, uh, that uh, I'd be able to help somebody here to be home. Again, bless this message. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in verse 14, it says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? That is the title of my message this morning is, What is your life? What is your life? And you know, that's one of the most important questions, if not the most important question on the face of this earth, that we need to ask ourselves, every single person on this earth needs to ask, what is your life? What is my life? What is the purpose of life? Why have I been put here on this earth? Why did God create me and plant me right where I am? Why was I born in New York? He's in for it. Uh, why have I been put on this planet? You know, many people can't answer that question. Many people cannot answer that question. And more importantly, are you accomplishing what God has put you on this earth to do? That is the most important thing. You know, so many people in this world right now, even though they might not admit it, they are 
They're looking for the answer to this question. What is our life? What is my life? Why am I here? What is the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? And boy, you look down and you say, well, there's not many people really asking that. Well, they might not outwardly be asking it, but inside they're looking for something. And they're thinking, man, there's got to be something more to life. There's got to be something else. There's got to be meaning to life. Not just wake up Monday through Friday, go to work, and then come back and maybe, you know, uh, just have some relaxation, then go right back to the grind and all this. And, and there's death and pain and sorrow. There's got to be something more and more meaning to life. And again, even though many people might not be asking what the meaning of life is, deep down, they know if they can find the answer, they can find fulfillment to life. They can find purpose and they can find true happiness and everlasting joy inside their hearts and peace that passes all understanding. And they're looking for that even though maybe they might not even acknowledge that they are. And the sad thing is, is that most professors in colleges and universities today do not know the answer to this question. That's a sad fact. Now I said most. I'm sure there are some that do know. Amen? I'm sure there's some even in public school that know the answer to this. I know some teachers. My dad was a guidance counselor for many years in uh, elementary school and in, in, uh, in middle school and high school and things like that. But you know what he had? He had his hands tied behind his back. He couldn't tell anybody, any kids, about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what was happening? Kids were cutting themselves nonstop. Kids were trying to commit suicide nonstop. They were, they were just so distraught. And all my dad could do is, you, gotta, you, gotta, you know, I, I could talk to you afterwards, but I can't talk to you right now. Why? Because he'd get fired. And that's how this country is. We've thrown out the Bible. We've thrown out the answer that everyone's looking for deep down. That's why we are here on this earth. What is the meaning of life? I'll never forget, this was probably about four years ago in the village there, uh, we were having a graduation, a high school graduation. So here you had all, everybody pretty much in the village. Now we've got about 900 Eskimo villages in the village and between kids and, and adults. And so here you had probably, I would say maybe a third of them, maybe more. So you had probably three or 400 people in the gymnasium. And you had this woman get up there as the main speaker. Now, I'm usually able to pray and things like that at the end. You know, they put me to the side at the very end. Uh, but this main speaker got up there, very nice lady. But she got up there and she started to say this. She said, now, this is such a great day for you students that are graduating. You have so much to look forward to in life. Such a great life. I mean, the opportunities are endless for you. Whatever you can dream up, you can do. Whatever you want to do. But let me say this first. She said, I want to make it clear. I do not know the answer to this question. And she said, listen, I am, I've got my doctorate. I've got a master's. And, and she went through all these different things that she's gone through in regards to going to college and university. And she said, but I want you to know right now that I do not know the answer to why we are here on this earth. She said, I have no idea what the meaning of life is. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? Here are these kids that are leaving home. And many of them are going to a scary place because all they know is the village life where they're secluded from everything else and now they're going out into the world and the best you could say is, I have no idea what in the world. College for eight years, like she, probably 12 years she went to college and you get out of that after hundreds of thousands of dollars of paying a teacher to teach you these things and you don't even know the basic question, the answer to that question, why are you on this earth? You better get your money back. That is some sad stuff, but you know what? I felt so bad for those kids. I felt so bad for the whole village that was there. And boy, that next uh, Wednesday that we had church, and that next Sunday I got a hold of those teenagers that came in, and uh, because there was probably about, I would say about seven or eight teenagers that were at that 
a graduation, and I brought them in, and, and of course, I'm preaching to them, and I opened up to a passage we're going to go to here in a minute, and I said, this is the answer. Now, my own little child, my, my Jacob, he is five and a half years old. He could give you that answer at four years old. He could give you the answer of why we have been put here on the earth. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what most people believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 35. This is, of course, the Apostle Paul speaking. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35, he said, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? You know, there's a lot of people, scoffers out there, that will say, Oh, come on. How do they really rise up? A lot of professors and, and people at the university are saying, Oh, come on. People don't really rise up from the dead. Once we're dead, we're dead. We're six feet under. We, we disintegrate, and that's it. And it's just darkness. Look at verse 32, 1 Corinthians 15, 32. If also, if after the same manner of men I have fought with beasts of Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's what most people on this earth are living life for. They said, well, I mean, we're not going to rise. This is it. This is all we got. You know, we're just evolution. We just, well, you know, poof, came into the existence and all that just by random chance. And so there's no hope. There's no rising from the dead. There's no heaven. There's, there's no hell to worry about. There's no afterlife. There's no meeting back again together, one with another. This is it. So you know what we might as well do? Just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And that's what these teachers are telling these students. And then they get out into the real world and then pain, death, sorrow, disease comes and cancer comes and they have no hope and they just go out there and they just lose their minds. You try and talk to people today, they've lost their minds. You try and talk to the younger generation today. Since I've been back in the lower 48 here, you know, we're going to, uh, of course, uh, God-sanctioned places called uh, coffee shops. Amen. And uh, we're going there, and we're getting some coffee and things. Not my wife, because she's not right with the Lord. She doesn't like coffee, okay? But we go there, and we get coffee, and a lot of the people that are working there are younger. And, you know, 20, 25, somewhere around there. And so hand them a gospel track and say, hey, listen, can I give you this? This will tell you how you can get to heaven. And it's not like, no, I don't want that. No, no. It's like this. It's like, what? And they're just mortified and they're disgusted by it. And it's almost like the next generation now is like, how in the world? Like, I've lost my mind. Like, it's unbelievable and you can't even think about Like, we believed that hundreds of years ago, but not anymore. We're better than that now. But boy, you look at the suicide rate today. You look at the people that are on those antidepressant medications. And listen, if you're on medication, I'm not putting you down, okay? Maybe you need it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying get off your medicine, okay? Stay on it for the sake of us, amen? And, uh, and so what, what, you know, these people are just saying, oh, we don't need God. But then they live lives and they're so miserable. They have no peace at all. And the problem is these people cannot find the true happiness because they don't know what their purpose is in life. They don't know the meaning of life. They don't know why they're here. You know, I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school with a boy named Scott. I'm not going to give his last name, but really nice man. And he was, uh, now, you go to school, probably most of you know this, okay? You've got the preppy group, right, at the lunch hour. You, you have the table with the prep, preppy people, right, the real high uppity-ups and stuff like that. And then over here, you've got those that are really good at sports, and sometimes they kind of can intermingle a little bit. And then you've got, you know, the nerds over here that like Star Wars, amen, and Star Trek, 
and other things like that. You know, the nerds, you know, got the glasses, you know, and got the books open at lunchtime, reading these huge novels and everything. And then you've got over here, you know, and you just got all these. Well, he was one of those that could sit at any table. He was one of those that would come over and just make you feel welcome. He'd always have a smile on his face and always saying, listen, what, you know, how are you today? And, and uh, he was in band. He played the French horn. Uh, he could do tap dancing. I mean, he, he, he did uh, plays and things like that in the drama club. And, but then he was also good at sports. And he was just unbelievable. And in the yearbook that we had, he was nominated the most likely to succeed in life. The most likely to succeed in life. Just by looking at just his countenance, how he was. He was, of course, nominated prom king. I mean, he had everything going for him. And he even was valedictorian. And he graduated, and he got into Brown University. And that's an Ivy League school. I mean, a really prestigious school. And you would think if any place would be able to give anyone an answer on why we're put here on the earth, it would be there. I mean, the, supposedly the best minds in the country are there at Brown University. And I found out a couple years later, this was probably around 2004, 2005, he had graduated and he went back home to Oxford, New York, between Norwich and Green, New York, and he just started drinking very heavily, very heavily. I mean, he was a very skinny young man, and when I saw a picture of him, he was big. I mean, real big. And I just couldn't understand why he would do that. At the time, I was lost. I wasn't saved or anything like that. And, uh, or actually, I was. I was saved at that time. And it uh, wasn't too long after that I got the terrible news that Scott had taken his own life. And somebody had told me, one of my friends from high school said, you need to check out his blog. Anybody know what a blog is anymore? I mean, today it's all YouTube and Facebook and I don't know all the other stuff, Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But back in my day, back many, many moons ago, it was you were going to blog or something like that, right? And so he had his own blog website or whatever, and they said, go to it. And so I went to it, and I started to read, and one of his last articles or blogs that he put up on his page was going on about nobody has been able to tell me why I'm here. I have gone to Brown University. I have talked to many religious people, many different. I've, I've studied the Koran. I've gone here. I've gone there. I've asked Catholic priests. and I've asked, you know, the, the Hindus. And, I've, and, and I, even, he said, I've gone to Christians. And I've asked them. And they haven't been able to tell me the answer. And he said, what in the world is the point of living anymore? And that was shortly before he took his own life. You know what he needed? He needed a Bible-believing, born-again Christian to be able to tell him, hey, listen, there's hope. And there is the answer right here. And yes, you've gone to Brown University. Yes, you've gone here and you've gone there and you've talked to all these people. But the answer is found right here. And there is a purpose to life and there is a reason that you are here. Look at me at Isaiah chapter 43. You know, that really hit me hard. I wasn't saved for too long once I heard that he had taken his own life. I mean, just the nicest family. His mom was a guidance counselor, really helped me out when I was a kid. Just unbelievable, terrible loss. To get to that point where somebody thinks they have no other out than to take their own life. And here in Isaiah chapter 43, we start to find the answer to that question of, what is my life? What is the purpose of life? And Isaiah chapter 43, look at verse 5. Isaiah 43, verse 5 says this, Fear not, 
for I am with thee. Isn't that a blessing? That's God talking. And he says, fear not, for I am with thee. You know, I'm just going to say this. I know I already said about the antidepressant medication and all that kind of stuff. I was very close before I got saved to be put on antidepressant medication. Very close. And I'm still kind of like that. I kind of get jittery and, and nervous all the time, right? And, uh, you know, the doctor's just like, hey, well, I'll give you the medicine. You can, you can take some medicine and all that kind of stuff. And get Listen, I believe if I would have took that medication, I would have got so deadened that I would not have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And because that was what was really, truly bothering me as I didn't have the Lord Jesus Christ with me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins without hope, without God in this world. I shouldn't have been feeling good about myself. I shouldn't have had to take medication for it and all that kind of stuff. Upon his name. And it goes on here, For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. I'm here to tell you right now that we are just not here by random chance. We're not here just because, you know, uh, you know, something millions and billions of years ago, actually nothing, not something, nothing exploded and turned into all these planets and especially this planet right here and created us. Uh, we're here because God created us. We're here because God formed us and he created us for his glory. You say, what is the meaning of life? What is our life? What is your life? It's supposed to be to give him glory. And here in verse 21, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21, This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. You know why people are so depressed today? You know why even Christians are depressed today? And he's worthy of praise. He's wor worthy of glory, not ourselves. We're not here for ourselves. Look at Revelation chapter 4. I showed this to the people there in Point Hope, and I, of course I show it to them all the time, but especially after that lady got up there at the graduation offering no hope, even though saying the sky is the limit, you can do whatever you want. Why does anybody want to do anything? If there's no hope, if we rise not, then you might as well just eat and drink and be a drunkard and, and, and just try and get as much pleasure as you can before it's over. But that's not all there is. Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. The four and twenty elders, now of course this is up in heaven, the four and twenty elders fall down before him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Now I just thought about that this morning. I can't imagine here up in heaven, you got the sea of glass, of course, the, the top of the great deep there is frozen, so that sea of glass most likely is just a frozen piece of water. And here his throne is on top of there. Can you imagine... Here are these uh, 24 elders, and they're taking their crowns, and their, their metal, their, their uh, silver and gold and gems and everything in them, they're just taking them off their head, and they see the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're just throwing those things. Now, can you imagine it clanging on that, on that glass? I mean, just loud clangs all over the place. Just amazing, giving praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in verse 11, at the end of verse 10, it says, they're saying, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, Lord Jesus Christ didn't just make the sun and the moon and the stars and all the planets for His glory. He created you and I specifically for His glory, for His pleasure, for His honor. My question to you this morning is, are you accomplishing what He's put you on this earth to do? Or are you living for your own pleasure? 
Now, it doesn't matter if you're lost or saved. You could be here today and just living for yourself. And you're here in body, but you're not here because you want to be here. You're not here because you want to give him all the glory, all the honor. You're not going to have a fulfilling life at all. If that's how you're going to be, and that's how I'm going to be, I'm not going to have a fulfilling life. So the answer to life's most important question is this. We've been placed on this earth for God's pleasure, for his glory, for his honor, for his power, to show him praise. And that's why we've been put here. Again, the problem is most people are just trying to please themselves before they try and please the Lord. Listen, fulfilling, uh, fulfilling life and true peace and true happiness does not come by trying to please ourselves. It comes first by pleasing our Creator, the one that put us here for a purpose. And then, as we heard this morning, then we have, we're blessed. And the Lord gives us favor and the Lord gives us a life that is pleasing, not only in His eyes, but to us as well. And gives us the desires of our heart. You know, I used to think when I was growing up that, uh, you know, if I just look beyond, it'll get better and I'll be happy. I remember in middle school, I used to look at the high schoolers and I used to be, man, they're cool, you know. Now, when I went to middle school, I don't know if you guys had that here. That was cool. I think it was in middle school. I think it was middle school, maybe high school. I think it was middle school. You, anybody remember how they used to do the pants backwards? Anybody? Anybody want to admit to that? You did it? <laughs> I was looking at that. How do you walk like that, right, with the pants backwards? That was the cool thing, right? Uh, I didn't look at that and say, well, I want to be like that, okay? But, but, uh, but, but I looked at the high schoolers. I said, I cannot wait to get to high school. Boy, when I get to high school, I'm going to be happy. When I get to high school, it's going to be fulfilling. It's going to be a great time. And I remember I got to high school. I'm like, what is this? I mean, candy. <laughs> you know? I mean, just fights and things going on. And now there was some good stuff and everything. But I didn't find any happiness or true lasting peace or anything like that going to high school. So you know what I started to say? Well, four more years. Four, I just got to wait four more years, just endure. And then I'll get to the point when I can get out from underneath my parents' house. And I'll have my own rules, right? And I'll be able to go out and stay out as long as I want and not have to, you know, talk to my parents and say, oh, I'll be back. You know, what? I didn't have to worry about anything. I said, boy, that's going to be great. And I'll be able to go to college and I'll be able to get a dorm with a bunch of other people and just be able to party and do all these things. Then I'll be happy. And boy, I remember I graduated high school and I couldn't wait. And I went to uh, Mansfield University in Pennsylvania for x-ray technology for two years. And I almost flunked the first uh, six months I was there. Because everybody that I was, because uh, I couldn't wait. I mean, everybody was like, when we went to college there for college days or whatever it was, they're like, hey, do you want to get a suite together? That's the worst idea in the world. Have a bunch of teenagers, 19-year-olds or whatever, 18, 19-year-olds, whatever we were, to have three in one room, three in another room connected by a living room area. That was the worst idea in the world. I don't know who made that up, but that's terrible. And boy, it was, it was bad. It was real bad. And you know what I didn't find through all the partying and all the things I did? I didn't find any true peace or happiness. Right. You know, it just got worse. You know, medically they say that too. You drink and you do drugs and everything, the next morning it's worse. And you feel worse and it makes you worse. It doesn't make you better. And boy, I remember when I went to college and, and I was working at Sarah PA in, in the trauma center there uh, for schooling. And I mean, the x-ray techs are using us as pretty much slave labor. Under the thing of, well, you're learning, so you do all my work for me. So, you know, we're taking x-rays of people and all this kind of stuff, cleaning up, you know, all the, all the stuff that uh, nobody else wants to clean up. And uh, I just was like, oh, once I get out of college and I get my own job, oh, 
I'll have my own car. I won't have to listen to my you know, instructors, and I won't have to worry about grades, and I won't have to worry about teachers. I'll be my own man. And boy, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have a bunch of money, and I'll be getting paid for actually doing all this slave labor and all that. And so I kept on looking forward, looking forward to getting happy. And boy, I got out and I graduated college. I mean, went hog wild getting a nice car. A 2003 Toyota Celica. <laughs> With a body kit, I got the, all the windows tinted out illegally. And I got stopped a bunch of times because nobody could see in there or anything like that. And I mean, I thought a six-speed manual transmission, pretending like I'm a race car driver, you know, and the thing's like, it's like, it's like a rice burner. It's nothing, you know, it couldn't do anything. And I thought, man, I've arrived. Now I'm going to be so happy. Now this is, this is it. And I got my own apartment. I even moved uh, right outside the Bronx, New York, and, and thinking, boy, I'm by the Big Apple, the city that never sleeps. I mean, if I'm going to find happiness, this is where it is. And I remember for many years, actually, uh, well, many years, a year and a half, <laughs> felt like many years, a year and a half working, and I thought, man, this is rough. And then I figured out I got to make my own bed. <laughs> And I figured I got to get my own food. Like, and, and I'm working Monday through fi Friday, you know, doing a good job, you know, working as hard as I could. And then Friday would roll around. I'd try and party with some friends and things like that. And I'd wake up the next Monday morning and I'm like, oh, I got to go to work again. And I'm just hoping, okay, now I just got to wait till the weekend, Friday. And I'm wasting my days away hoping for the weekend. And then I finally started to say, maybe when I retire. Right? Maybe when I retire, when I'm 60 or whatever it is, then I'll be able to be happy because I'll just be able to sit around and do nothing. <laughs> Amen? I'm not saying if you retire, you sit around and do nothing, but that's what I wanted to do. Amen? I just wanted to sit down and just, you know, get fat or something. I don't know. And just relax. But you know, about uh, a year and a half into it, I said, this is it. If this is all there is to life, I can't find happiness. And all I'm looking for is a head, a head, and I'm not finding any happiness. I said, what's the point of living? I mean, I started talking like that. I said, this is crazy. And I remember one Friday after work, I love Barnes & Noble. I don't know if anybody else loves Barnes & Noble. Love Barnes & Noble. I love the smell of books. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I love going in there. A lot of times they would usually have classical music. And I love coffee. So you get the best of all worlds. And so I remember going over and all of a sudden I'm just, I walk in and I'm led over to the religious section. Now, I know that was not me because my flesh doesn't want me over there. I know that was not the world because the world doesn't want it to direct me over there. I know it wasn't the devil because the devil didn't want me to go over there. And so here I was, and I went over to the religious section, looked at the Bibles, picked up a good old King James Bible. I, had no, I mean, I went to church when I was younger, but I couldn't remember you know, what version Bible or anything like that. I just picked up the Bible. I started reading, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And I started reading that thing, it was like this peace fell over me. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is this? And I remember buying that Bible, and the next morning, right outside the Bronx, New York, in my little apartment that I had Saturday morning, just exhausted, I picked up that Bible, and I started reading that on my little coffee table. And I went to the book of John, because I remember when I was growing up, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to just read all of chapter 3. And I started reading that thing and I saw in John chapter 3 verse 3 it said, Unless you've been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then I read verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. 
And it was like the Holy Spirit just said to me, yeah, you've said you're a Christian your whole life. Yes, you grew up in church and all that kind of stuff, but you've never uh, asked me to save you. You've never been born again. And in 2005, in May, that Saturday morning, with tears in my eyes, I bowed my head and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. Lord, I want to be born again. Please save my soul from hell. And boy, I remember right then and there, and I know I'm not big in feelings and all that kind of stuff, but it was like this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I took my Bible, I put that underneath my shoulders like this, and I went over to the person I was subletting my apartment from. I went over to him, and, and he loves marijuana and all that kind of stuff. And I knocked on his door, and he opened up the door, smoke billowing out of his uh, apartment there, and uh, his eyes bloodshot, and he's like, hey, you know, it's, I mean, it's Saturday morning. And uh, so what are you doing? Uh, he said, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, well, you won't believe what I just did. And he looked down at my Bible, he said, what? <laughs> I said, I just got born again, man. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? He's like, come on, you know, uh, leave me alone. I mean, listen, I, it, it, was, it was what I was looking for. And I found the purpose in life was that I needed to receive my creator as my savior. And that I've been put here by him and, and I couldn't please him. I couldn't fulfill what I've been put here to do because I was dead in trespasses and sins because I was a sinner on my way to hell. And the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. And John chapter 8 says that, I was the, uh, uh, that the devil was my father, John 8, 44. And that I couldn't please my Savior because of it. And boy, from that day on, yes, I haven't been perfect. Yes, I've sinned. But boy, I've had an inner peace and happiness and joy that I never had before. You say, why? Because I know my purpose in life. And boy, you know what? I know that when I stray from that and I stop glorifying God and I start pr stop praising God and, and glorify Him in my mind and my heart like I should, then I start to feel a little like, you know, antsy and, and, and you know, uh, depressed in some places and sad and things like that. Listen, I know that I need to get back to worshiping my Savior and glorifying Him because that's why I've been put here. And boy, many times we forget that or, I mean, God says all the time in the nation of Israel, they're forgetful people. How quickly they turned aside. How quickly you and I turn aside from the Lord. How quickly. Listen, if you're in here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm here to tell you right now that you've been put here on this earth by the Lord. You've been put here by God. He's formed you and he wants you to receive him as his Savior. He wants you to receive him so that you can be saved, born again on your way to heaven and then be able to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at me to James chapter 4, verse 14. James 4.14. It's just so nice to know why we're here. Let's, they're talking about the aliens, you know, and whatever, and they're bringing probes down and whatever. Hey, who cares? <laughs> now, uh, we know what that is. That's the, that's the, if it is, you know, they're saying that there's a UFO out there or whatever. If there really is, I mean, that is the fallen angels and all that demonic power out there. That's what that is. And... Uh, I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. Why? Because I know my Savior. Amen. James chapter 4, verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? What is your life? Right now, today, right now, if, if you were to find out that you were to die today and tomorrow the next day they were going to make an obituary for you and put it in the newspaper, put it on, uh, newspaper's old, I guess, put it online and all these things, what would it say? Would it even mention anything about you living your life for the purpose of what you've been put here to do for the Lord Jesus Christ? And it goes on here in verse 14. 
James 4.14, For what is your life? It is even a vapor. that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know what I was doing? I just kept on saying, no, when I get there, I'll be happy. When I get there, and, and many people are saying today, many Christians, when I get to that point, that's when I'll start serving God. When I get to that point, that's when I'll start living for God. Listen, I, I like this, what somebody said. Time, time is a strange commodity. We can't save it, retrieve it, relive it, stretch it, borrow it, loan it, stop it, or store it, but can only use it or lose it. That's what time we have. I don't know about you. I'm 40 years old. I feel like it was, I was like 17 years old just a couple days ago. It's unbelievable how quickly time goes. Life is but a vapor. Here for a little time, gone away. It's gone. And the question is, are you living your life for the purpose you've been put down here to do? Look at me at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, look what it says here in verse 14. Ephesians 5, 14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Listen, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you need to know what the will of the Lord is and then do it. Redeem the time. Take control of it and do it. People say, what is redeeming the time? And I like this. Somebody gave this analogy. Anybody like uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday or Cyber Thursday or whatever all those are? And you know what you do? You know that, listen, you've got a small window. Yes, that sale is supposed to happen all day long on Black Friday, but what happens if you wait till the end of the day? All the good stuff is gone. So you know what many people do? They'll say, well i got to make sure this allotted time, very beginning of the day, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get it. I'm going to, because it might be gone by the time the end of the day comes. And you know what happens for Christians? Many times we put everything that's important, supposed to be important to us in regards to prayer time, reading our Bibles, coming to church, we put that to the very end. We say, if I've got time, I'll do it. If I've got time, I'll do what I've been put here on this earth to do. And we lose that time. And we're not redeeming the time like we should. we should. We should say, you know what, I need to get up this morning and I need to read that book because this might be the only chance I have today to read it. I need to pray because this might be the only chance I have today to, to, to pray to the Lord. I better come to church today because this might be the only chance I'm able to come to church. And we need to redeem the time. You know, a survey, a survey was asked and it asked this, what do you have to live for? What do you have to live for? to which 94%, 94% answered that they were just enduring today and living for tomorrow, like I was doing. I don't know if anybody else has done that or maybe is doing that. Can't wait until I get to this point in my life, and I'll be happy. 94%. That means a lot of the world is living that way, and they're not redeeming the time. A lot of Christians are living that way, and they're not redeeming the time. You know, Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Why don't you live for him now? The Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 12, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We need to realize that our days are numbered. Listen, I could die tomorrow. And I don't want to leave behind something that I'm ashamed of. I don't want to leave behind something that I, should, I would say, You know what, I wish I did more for the Lord. I want to be able to say, you know what, 
I tried to do the best I could to redeem the time. Somebody said this also, to redeem time is a rescue it from the waste can of unwise living and bring it into the place of good God-glorifying use. We've been put here to glorify God. Are we wasting our life not doing what we're put here to do? Are we wasting it? Question is, will you make reading your Bible, praying, coming to church, witnessing, uh, just in your hearts and minds, meditating upon the Lord and meditating upon the word of God all day and night, as the book of Psalm chapter 1, verse 3 says, uh, are you putting all that first so that you could put the Lord Jesus Christ first? You know what I love about uh, this, this, this uh, Swedish chemist, Alfred Nobel. You probably know that name, Nobel. He woke up one morning and read his own obituary in the local newspaper, and it read this. Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before, and he died a very rich man. And so he looked at that and he said, that's my brother, not me. Whoever wrote that in that newspaper made a mistake and put him instead of his brother dying. And here he was and he looked at that. And you know what? He looked at that thing and he said, oh my goodness, that's what I'm going to remember, remember for when I leave this earth? That's what I've done? That's my life? My life consists of being able to kill more people than anybody else has ever done before? What kind of a life is that? You know what he did from then on? He initiated the Nobel Prize. And he said this, Every man ought to have the chance to correct his epitaph in midstream and write a new one. You know what? Any of us in here right now can from this moment on say, you know what? I don't need to be remembered for this. I can be remembered for glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And it can start right now. It could start today. And you know what? David... Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, he messed up. But you know what? He didn't stay that way. He got right with God. In Psalm 51, he got right and he asked the Lord for forgiveness and went on. And you know what? Yes, maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've made some mistakes and you say, well, I can't go full bore for the Lord. I can't continue to live for God like I should. Yes, you can. Lord Jesus Christ forgives and he forgets and he wants you to start living for him and glorify him and continue the rest of your days to do what you've been put here on this earth to do. Look at that. We'll, we'll end here in this, uh, these verses. Look at Revelation again, chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. I saw this this morning. Never really thought about this before. But in Revelation chapter 4, where, of course, we read in verse 11 why we've been put here on this earth, to give him all the glory, all the pleasure, all the honor. And they go up before that throne. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and beheld a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like an, unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Now, 
that's amazing. Here you have thunderings, lightnings, and voices before the throne of God, where the glory of the Lord is, Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 8 says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Here are these four cherubims, and they are fulfilling what they've been placed upon heaven over there for, and that is to give praise and glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ by saying, holy, holy, holy. And then in verse 9 it says, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now here you have the four cherubim, here you have the 24 elders, and all they're doing is just giving praise, glory, and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ nonstop, day and night. And you have something associated with that whole entire event and that's going on nonstop. Verse 5 again. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Now you say, what are those voices? I can't tell you for sure, but I wonder if that's part of what those voices are. Of the voices of those praising the Lord, praising Him for He's worthy of it. And look with me here to Revelation. And Revelation, I know I have this written down somewhere. Uh, let me see. Revelation chapter. Hmm. I'm going to find it. I want to go to it. Hmm. It's uh, thunderings, lightnings, all that again. Oh, I got it right here. I got it in my Bible. <laughs> Why don't I just look at my Bible? Why am I looking at my notes? <laughs> all right, Revelation chapter 8. So you have thunderings, lightnings, and voices. I think God's trying to show me something. Get out of my notes and go to my Bible. <laughs> Revelation chapter 8. Verse 1, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke, so again, the throne there, the Lord's throne. Verse 4, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God, out of the angel's hand. Now look at verse 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire off the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So again, you have the voices, thunderings, and lightnings associated with the throne of God. Look at Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Again, those voices. And I might be wrong, but those voices could be multitudes of all nations, including the four cherubim, including the 24 elders, falling down and just giving glory all day and all night to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. The Bible says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Now, for sake of time, we're not going to go there, but in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 20, of course, when they're on the mount, and God's, of course, bringing the Ten Commandments and all that, uh, you have the lightnings and the thunderings, and you have God's voice coming from heaven and all that. 
Uh, you know what's missing today when we have thunderings and lightnings? There's no voices. You know what I believe God might be showing us too is that, listen, when he brings down not just the bow in the, in the sky, you know, with the rainbow to remember our covenant, his covenant with us, but also I wonder if he's bringing down lightning and thunderings just to remind us, hey, listen, there's no voices coming down because we're supposed to be the voices. We're supposed to be the voices on this earth glorifying God, not just in our hearts, but outwardly and showing people, hey, listen, we're down here to give him glory, him honor, because he is worthy. And boy, I'm going to try and remind myself from now on when I hear lightning and thunderings to say there's no voices. I'm supposed to be the voice. And the question is this, are we doing and accomplishing what God has put us on the earth to do? You have time to turn it around, and you can do that today. And if you're lost here, you have time right now. You know, the word that God uses many times is now. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. Christian, now is the time to wake up and live for him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we are weak in the flesh. Lord, it doesn't matter if we're out on the mission field. It doesn't matter if we're here on the mission field in Fulton and, and uh, Martville, Oswego. It doesn't matter where we are. Lord, our weak is flesh. Our, our flesh is weak. And Lord, we need your help. Lord, I believe every single one that's here today if I were to ask, is there anybody here that wants to glorify you and, and do what you've put us here to do? I bet every single person in here would raise their hand and say, I want to do what I've been put on this earth to do. But Lord, we need your help to do that. And Lord, maybe there's somebody in here right now that would say, you know what, I've been going after things that I shouldn't be going after. I've been going after other things that do not glorify you like they should and take away. Lord, we can get that settled here right now and get that out of our lives and ask you to get that out of our lives. Lord, if there's somebody here again that is not saved, doesn't know for sure like I was, Lord, they can receive you as their Savior. And Lord, they can start pleasing you for the rest of their lives until you come back. Lord, we love you. Just pray you'd be with this time of invitation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go.